Welcome back to another episode of the Hitchcock Minute. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts examine the 1959 Alfred Hitchcock-directed thriller North by Northwest. One minute of screen time per episode. I'm Alex Robinson from StarWarsMinute.com. And I'm .com. P3Taylor.com from StarWarsMinute.com. And today we are talking about Minute 59 of North by Northwest. 59. Uh, we're still on the train, and it starts off with uh, Eve asking the porter if that doohickey thing belongs to him. Mm -hmm. And it ends a minute later with Eve reminding Thornhill that they were in the middle of necking. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's funny, the shots of him standing in the uh, bathroom, uh, in the washroom fiddling through her toiletries <laughs> fiddling through her toiletries <clears throat> mm -hmm. that's the name of this episode um yeah well i, I looked up what uh um what the deal is because he finds that tiny razor mm -hmm. um and i uh i looked it up i'm like is that a, was like was that a thing was that common and i I Googled it and I found a lot of people asking, like, was that a thing? Was that common? Like people watching North by Northwest and being like, what's up with the tiny razor? Um, so there was no answer, no definitive answer. There were. There were people who were like, yeah, like I, you know, like razor collectors and people who are into kind of more old timey antique things are just like, no, yeah, look, here's here it is compared to the other one that this company made. <clears throat> and apparently they just they made like a double uh, double edged, you know, kind of uh, ladies safety razor like that. Hmm. Um, presumably for armpits and stuff like that. Um, well, I was going to say, I feel like its inclusion here seems seems very risque for 1959. Mm, yeah. Admitting that women have uh, hygiene habits is uh, unheard of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can't tell if you're being sarcastic, but I, I, no, think, I, mean, I can't think of any other things that would refer to any other. I mean, now, of course, you have people making jokes about Brazilian waxes and stuff, but then doing a, a uh, I don't know, that seems uh, pretty funny. Yeah. Well, it does. Uh, I was reminded upon Googling that it does pay off. Um, it's a setup for a joke later. This is uh, this is Chekhov's tiny razor. Um, <laughs> but uh, but the the. You know, it's one of those things that maybe at the time everybody would have been like, oh, it's one of those tiny razors. But mm -hmm. um, now it's just kind of like, what's up with that? Why does she have a tiny razor? Like, is this... Um, is um is he um is he doing a bad thing by rummaging through her uh, stuff? Um, is that not cool? He, I don't think he's necessarily rummaging, right? He's just kind of looking at what's there. Right, yeah, it's not like he was digging through. It was just kind of like stuff right. that was already out. He's not going through the garbage. He's not opening up her, her you know, travel bag or anything. He was just looking at what's on the sink, hmm. which I think is acceptable. All right, so ladies, you know, don't let Pete in your bathroom if you have anything on your sink. Um, or, yeah, just uh, probably don't let me in your bathroom. I'm not. <laughs> um, well, speaking of uh, etiquette. <coughs> and protocol? Oh. One or the other. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of etiquette and protocol, it does involve the porter, who is our C-3PO, as we said. Mm-hmm. Uh, <coughs> hang on one sec. I don't know why I'm... <coughs> Suddenly I've got a case of the coughs. Um, yeah, speaking of etiquette and protocol, um, since this does involve our C-3PO, the porter, um, 
I know, like, usually I, I defer to you on questions of uh, etiquette and protocol, especially travel-related ones, because we do travel together somewhat uh, often. And uh, mm -hmm. you are, are more, you're a more experienced traveler than I. And so what's the, um, so what would you do? You're in the room and the porter comes to, uh, to kind of make up the room essentially, or to, to take care of the, I think he's basically, he's here to convert the room from a day room to a night room, essentially to, to pull the bed yeah. down and make sure everything's all set. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I, is he, is he doing light housekeeping too? Is he kind of like straightening up? Because it seems like if she's like, don't bother with the washroom, is he just replacing towels, I guess, and stuff? Yeah, I imagine that's probably the case. All right. So what do you do um, in this case? She says, you know, uh, oh, uh, I'm just going to wait outside, yeah. which to me seems very awkward. Like, oh, I'm just going to stand here and wait outside. I'm going to kind of get out of your way. You know, it's, it's a cramped, it's a small space, granted. Yeah. But uh, it does seem a little weird. Um, that she's like, I'm, I'm going to just stand here right outside while you're doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it would also be weirder if she was just kind of like, I'm just going to sit here and watch you do that. And, uh, I don't know. I, f I feel like I've been in a similar kind of situation where, especially with, you know, like if somebody's coming to like install something or like fix the cable or mm -hmm. something, I'm always just like, oh, what yeah. do I do? Am I sit here and watch you? Should mm -hmm. I go for a walk? Like, should I just yeah. pretend you don't exist until you tell me you're done? So what's your, what's your well, preferred protocol here? I I think um I think it's different than someone in your home because it's someone in your home like I feel like I have to be there in case they need something or right. that that way they don't steal anything or whatever. Um in this situation um well first of all it, can I put the ped down myself? Mm. Well you 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 can if you're Eve because you stole the key or something, right? Right. So in that case I would if if I could set it up myself i would do that i'd be like that's okay i'll just do it myself and you know i, I when i stay at a hotel or whatever i try to avoid having housekeeping mm -hmm. i would much rather just do it all myself than um it, you know unless i'm unless for some reason i had to impress someone with how clean my room was i'm just inclined to just hastily make the bed and you know yeah i mean whatever do they not have do not disturb signs on these sleeper cars i wonder yeah, you think it would have one of those locks that when you locked it, it would say, you know, like on an airplane toilet. Right. If I cannot do the room by myself, if the porter's like, oh, I'm the only one who has a little doohickey, I'm like, then I would say, okay, I'll be back in a couple of minutes or, you know, however long yeah. this is supposed to take. I would say, oh, I'll go to the bar car or whatever. Yeah, but I guess she wants to stay near in case Roger gets discovered. She could say, oh, no, no, he's, you know, where'd this man come from? <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, it seems like standing in the room would be the most awkward, um, solution. Right. Well, yeah, so, it, uh, it does seem like, well, obviously we'll learn later, um, that she, you know, has another kind of ulterior motive, um, mm -hmm. um, to, to wanting to be close by, but it, it did seem also so socially awkward, but then also, um, it seems kind of brave of her to be like, oh, I'll just wait outside while the, the, like, if you don't know what's coming up, you might think it's, oh, it's brave of her. That's dangerous that she's just kind of like letting, you know, even though she said, don't go in the bathroom, <laughs> whatever you do, don't go in the bathroom <laughs> to, to the porter. Um, but, um, also it seems, you know, uh, 
he could be easily discovered if she, you know, it makes more sense if she was just kind of, um, kind of, I don't know. It, it's tough. I don't, I both, both for the intrigue uh, part and for the social awkwardness part, I'm not sure what the best, um, what her best attack is, but then for, turns out for what she's, what her ulterior motives are, it works out. She does, she plays it perfectly, but. I think what I would have done if I was her is I would have said, hey, you don't need to do the washroom. I'm just going to go in there right now and go to the bathroom. You can make up the room. And I would go in there and make the sounds like I was really going, having a uh, explosive bathroom experience. Yeah. So then he'd be like, oh, I'm going to get out of here as quickly as I possibly can. <laughs> Winslow it up. Yeah. <clears throat> um, well, that uh, you certainly couldn't do that in 1959. Um, <laughs> um, the, people did uh, not discover going to the bathroom until the late 1960s I think yeah and then everybody was so relieved um, yeah I don't uh, it, it, I'm, I'm always uh, at a loss when it comes to that I don't know what to do so I, I probably would have gone to get a, a see but although then so this is jumping ahead a little bit but uh, you know it, it turns out um, that we don't see it, but she um, kind of passes a note. She gives a note to the porter to bring to a, another cabin. And I, I might say, okay, well, while, you know, while you do that, I'm just going to go deliver this note myself. Um, but I don't know how far away, what what car they're in, how far away they are. What uh, That might not have been feasible. Mm, that's right. A lot of variables. Yeah. So I think I would have just got, gone to get a bag of chips. Would have gone to the vending machine or the bar car. Oh, definitely the bar car. I think of now, um, you know, I feel like especially being like the first couple of times I was flying by myself as an adult, like over 21, and I always feel a little bit awkward. Even going to a bar, you feel a little bit awkward getting, uh, well, probably not everybody. There's probably people who feel totally at home buying a drink in a bar when they're, you know, 18. But um, here in the U.S., uh, you know, <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of, you know, you're not supposed to be drinking until you're 21. And so I, I you know, I know being, uh, it's probably late into my 20, maybe into my thirties even before I was comfortable enough, just being like getting a, a, a drink an alcoholic beverage on a plane. Mm -hmm. Uh, now I do it all the time. <clears throat> um, yeah, plane or no plane. Yeah. Uh, I'll buy a ticket on a plane just to drink. No, that's not true. <laughs> um, but the, um, yeah, I, so I think that having the idea of a bar car sounds terrific. <clears throat> Although, who knows what kind of uh, characters you'll have there. Having a, the idea of a 1959 bar car sounds terrific. But Yeah, 1959, you would have met all sorts of eccentric, intriguing characters. Right. Probably got involved in a murder mystery or something. Yeah, something like that. Um. So, um, speaking of mysteries, what do you think the age difference is between um, actor Cary Grant and Eva Marie Saint? Oh boy, no, he's he's always been like ancient, right? By the, by the time he was on screen, he was like fifty or something, right? <laughs> Wasn't he never a young man? <laughs> ancient, uh, yeah. Uh, I um, yeah, that, I was tongue in cheek how... calling fifty is not. I'm saying when his earliest roles, he was uh, yeah. Not... Uh, I um, I was surprised he wasn't as old as I thought he was. Hmm. But I think it also might be a case of that people nowadays are like um, 
you know, it's like that thing about you see a picture of Paul Rudd next to Carol O'Connor and you're like, oh, they're the same age. Right. Like people just age slower now or whatever. <laughs> but um, so, yeah. So how old do you think? Uh, how old do you think everyone is? Um, I'm going, let's say, is she in her late 20s here and he's in his mid 40s? Hmm. Uh, no, they are both older than you think. Hmm. She is 35. Okay. He is 55. Hmm. Well, so, uh, all right. I'm a terrible well, judge just... of stuff like that. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy that I was relatively, I was kind of close. Uh, the difference between them, I was relatively close. I was pretty accurate. Yeah. But the, yeah, but their true. actual ages, uh, I was, I was bad at. I was just surprised because I, this is like, I think, uh, um, Carrie Grant only did like four, one, two, three, four, five more movies after this. Hmm. He, he retired, uh, at age 64. Hmm. And, uh, um, Ringo Starr needed him. <laughs> well, I think cause he was like, oh, no one wants to see old Cary Grant. Like, you know, you don't want to see an old Cary Grant. It just gets pathetic. I remember him saying something like that, that like he's too old to be Cary Grant now, but it's just <laughs> funny now that you have actors in their seventies trying to do romantic, you know, uh, you know, I just like, wanna, uh, it's totally the, uh, the. Wrong show, I know, but for, why did I, for some reason, think that that was a Ringo song? And it was a Paul song when I'm 64. Well, I know it's, it's totally a Paul song, but in my head, because it, it, it goes with those kind of, you know, um, the novelty cute song kind of novelty, you know, Ringo songs. Yeah. Anyway, I, I uh, uh, this goes to show how rusty we are with the with the Beatles stuff. That uh, yeah, I am uh, I, I mis misattributed that song to the wrong Beatle. You can cut it out. No one will know. Yeah, well. Um, uh, go ahead. No, I was looking at my notes. I'm seeing that I don't I don't have much. I don't have much. Uh, well, here's something. Uh, Eva Marie Saint, still alive. 96 years old, Eva Marie Saint. Mm, wow. So uh, good for her. What, uh, what else? I know the name, but I feel like I don't mm -hmm. know much of her work. Uh, I only saw her in one other movie, which was On the Waterfront, starring hmm. uh, Marlon Brando. Naturally, I had to see that one, but I've not seen any of the other things she was in, in her extensive career. Hmm. She did a lot of voice work later on, I was, I was, uh, curious to see. Hmm. Um, I, um, yeah, looking at her, I wonder what, uh, oh, I, did I see Because of Winn-Dixie? I don't think so. Oh, Superman Returns. She was Martha Kent. There you go. Oh, I guess I saw that one. Yeah. Um, well, good for her. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I also haven't seen much uh, that she was in, it turns out. Um, um, <clears throat> you know, Hitchcock had a thing for those uh, icy blondes. Sure. You know, famously. And... Uh, not typically my type, but I gotta say she looks pretty, uh, pretty fetching when he when he comes out of the uh, the washroom there, and she's kind of uh, waiting for him on the uh, on the I don't know is it the bed or the couch or whatever, but uh, it's both I think at this point. Right? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's a fine line when you're on a train. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so mm -hmm. uh, she does a little bit like um, uh, there's a couple of years later, but she reminds me a bit of. Uh, um, What's her name from from Star Trek? The uh, Nurse Ratchet, Nurse um, Chapel. 
Uh, no, well, a little bit, but also... Um, Angel Barrett? No. Um, in uh, the the other pilot, uh, Sally Kellerman. There you go. In in uh, the Where No Man Has Gone Before. Oh, from MASH. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that... Uh, um, she looks evocative of that, at least to me here. Yeah, which, I can see that. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I agree. Uh, interesting. I maybe I'll go through an Eva Marie Saint phase now. <clears throat> <laughs> well, you'll act like her and dress like her, and mm-hmm. get those gold pajamas. Um, the last thing I have in my notes is, uh, the Mile High Club. Is there a train version of the Mile High Club? Well, I, well I'm assuming it would be the train to Denver, right? <laughs> is that a, is that a reference to something? No, but... Oh, because Mile High, I yeah. get it. <laughs> um, um, and also does, is there like a boat Mile High Club and uh, Yeah, sadly, I bet there's a Greyhound bus Mile High Club too. <laughs> Hovercraft Mile High Club. Oh boy, that, that one sounds interesting. Yeah, that's that's a much more uh, exclusive. Right. Because when, when the U.S. Uh... Oh, <laughs> I looked it up. Okay, that was uh, quick. I looked up, I googled uh, Mile High Train mm-hmm. and um, it's the Mile Long Club. Oh. That makes sense. Yeah, so uh, there you go. Hmm. I wonder if they have like, uh, you know, you get mile, mileage credit and stuff. <laughs> I put in mile high boot and it does not seem to be any uh, any term for that. So, you know, like, like we always say, this is an opportunity for us to come up with. Uh, right. Everybody has their own name for the... Uh, um. <laughs> The, yeah, the, let's come up the mile the train mile high club. Yes. Um <laughs> yeah, now I'm looking there's like just trying to do a uh all different mile high club. So mm. anyway. Anything else for minute one sorry, minute one hundred and fifty nine. Anything <laughs> else for minute one hundred and fifty nine. Everybody's gone home by this point. We're just standing here yeah. looking, cleaning up popcorn and so you saw this first. Uh, you saw this first in college or in high school. You said tenth grade. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think this might have been the first Hitchcock movie I ever saw in college. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure this is the first one that I saw too. Hmm. Do you have any other favorite uh, Hitchcock movies? Um, I I'm always pleasantly surprised that I you know I never uh, I've never been you know super like oh I love you know hitchcock as, a, as a, i'm always like oh yeah like hitchcock good but then i don't have any particular favorites until like i watch whatever whatever the last one i watched essentially becomes my favorite because I'm, I'm always impressed with how um mm-hmm. you know I- intentional you know the auteur theory kind of you know he, he was uh, very much a, a kind of like okay this is a hitchcock movie it's not any you know you, yeah. there are collaborators sure but this is all his vision clearly right. on screen and everything is very intentional and it's not just a um um you know thrown up there you know a few corners are cut uh, and which is something that i like in you know in in movies i uh, like in you know going to stuff like you know kubrick and uh, uh, um even you know modern you have stuff you know like uh, paul thomas anderson and and uh wes anderson <laughs> everybody oh, yeah the andersons um, Julian Anderson, uh-huh. and you've got you got people just you know the the 
when it seems like there's particular uh, uh one vision kind of realized like that and then uh, Hitchcock is certainly one of the standout uh, kind of uh, beacons of that what about you what's your what's your favorite uh I like rear window a lot hmm I think that one's is one I've seen a few times. Uh, I think I, I kind of agree with you. I always feel like I it's uh, sometimes when I watch a Hitchcock movie, I feel like it's like oh, I'm do it's like eating your vegetables kind of a, mm-hmm. a feeling. Uh, recently, my brother and I tried watching To Catch a Thief, mm. and um, I don't know is if it's like sponsored by the um, by like it feels like a demo reel for a new film process. Huh. I almost feel like it was like subsidized by Technicolor or something because there's a lot of shots that are just like sweeping like, oh, here's a flower market and look how colorful it is. And then, oh, here's another thing. And look at all these color. Like there's a lot of deliberate shots of just super colorful things that seem out of place in a Hitchcock movie. Hmm. So I almost feel like they were like, hey, you know what? We'll give you 50,000 if as long as you showcase this new this new uh, thing we're doing. So um, <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, yeah, it was the first film, uh, Hitchcock's first film to use the VistaVision widescreen process. Oh, so maybe that's what so it was. So I think that's, he was like, hey, widescreen. Yeah, but watching it now, it just seems like a lot of really slow, you know, old movies tend to be paced slower already. So right. he's throwing a lot more shots of just, you know, passersby and mood setting and things <laughs> like that. So oh, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll go through a Hitchcock phase now. I saw Dial M for Murder, and I actually saw it in 3D, in three dimensions. Oh, that was uh, fun. I Yeah, I got to see that um, a couple years ago at the Film Forum, the aforementioned Film Forum. That's where I saw it. We didn't mm. see it together, did we? I don't believe so. I think I saw it with mm. the, my friend Joe Maisel and my wife. Oh. oh Maybe one or two other people? Me. I don't know. Some other couple that you knew? <laughs> I saw it with, um, you know, uh, Tony Curtis and his friend. Uh, well, all right, then. I guess that'll wrap up minute 59 of uh, North by Northwest. And uh, if you've missed any of the other episodes, you can uh, find them in future episodes on Apple Podcasts and Google Play, or just go to HitchcockMinute.com, and uh, you can get all the Hitchcock goodness over there. Um, if you feel like discussing it after you've listened to some episodes, tell us, uh, how clever we are and how accurate we are with our perceptions. Go to Facebook and sign up for the man on Washington's nose group. That's where everyone can go and talk about all their favorite North by Northwest, um, stuff. And, uh, Twitter, Twitter is a thing and Hitchcock minutes there at Hitchcock minute. And, um, Yes. In addition to that, Pete and I also have done other podcasts. We mentioned The Beatles. We've done a podcast called Alphabetical. And uh, I have an ongoing podcast, GodfatherMinute.com, which is just like this, but about The Godfather. And uh, Pete, you want to plug any of your other, other programs? I did a show called ABC Devo with uh, last week's, uh, one of last week's hosts, uh, Tom Taylor, and uh, uh, our friends from Alien Minute, John Engel, and uh, our friend Joe Mazel. We went through all the Devo songs alphabetically. And uh, I remember Joe Mazel. He went to go see um, Dial in for Murder again. Oh, yeah. He's always in 3D. <laughs> uh, all right, then. So I guess uh, we'll see you tomorrow for our final episode of Hitchcock Minute. Hitchcock Minute. Minute.
Goodbye, Mr. Thornhill, wherever you are.